Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. You may have seen a recent article in InsideHigherEd.com that began, Wyoming Catholic College has a lot of unusual things about it, each enough to merit a story in itself. Wyoming Catholic is a conservative Catholic college that educates students in the great books and Catholic tradition. It also teaches horsemanship and bans cell phones on campus. I love that. And it turned down federal funding. President Glenn Arbery describes the mission this way. This college is engaged in deep ways with the agony of a culture that has lost its spiritual center. We're adventurous and poetic and deeply Catholic. He likes to cite Dostoevsky in Crime and Punishment. Low ceilings are bad for the soul. The ceilings rise at Wyoming Catholic, which is located in the foothills of the Wind River Mountains, the curriculum centers in the Western tradition. Its Catholic identity builds upon Thomas Aquinas and the magisterium of the Catholic Church and engaging with God in the wilderness. Find out more at wyomingcatholic.edu. Okay, we have with us today Matthew Bunsen. He is the executive editor for EWTN News. Dr. Bunsen is an American author, more than 50 books. He's a historian, professor, editor, Roman Catholic theologian, a senior contributor for EWTN, and he also is involved in the National Catholic Register. He's a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology and faculty chair at Catholic Distance University. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Bunsen. Oh, it's a privilege to be with you. It really is. Well, now, you are here to let us know what is going on with the Catholic voter. You just did a, a an interesting survey that was published uh, at the register. Uh, tell us what what that survey came up with. Well, this is the second of four polls that the EWTN News has commissioned in partnership with the Real Clear Opinion Research. Uh, the first one came out uh, in early December and sampled people uh, throughout November, so basically a year out from the 2020 presidential election. We have this second one that was released just around the time for Super Tuesday, we're going to have a third one as we head into the summer, especially the conventions, both Democratic and Republican. And then we'll have a fourth one uh, just before the election, probably uh, in later October. And the, the purpose of uh, this whole project uh, is to do a couple of things. The first is to gauge where exactly Catholics are uh, as voters. So this is one of the largest uh efforts that has been undertaken to survey specifically Catholic voters. Uh, in the case of this one, we're, we're talking about 1,500 uh, registered Catholics. Uh, and we're also trying to figure out where Catholics are and how they're living their faith lives, how they stand on the key cultural and moral issues of the time, and how all of that uh, plays together, how that's interwoven into the way Catholics vote. And uh, for us, it's very important to do this as a service. But the other thing that we're really trying to do is to get a, a sense of a, a diagnosis of the current health and vitality of American Catholicism. So that's why the poll tends to be as detailed as it is. Uh, but it's beyond just uh, two things that we often see with polls. The first is where people are going to vote. But the other is, uh, what kind of a Catholic are you? Uh, a lot of the polls that we see are simply of self-identified Catholics, and that doesn't tell us very much about who they are. Right. The l Let me just tell our listeners, if you want to see the, the write-up on the poll, uh, it's under the title EWTN News slash Real Clear Opinion Research Poll Number 2, Finding the Catholic Vote. 
And one of the valuable things about the poll is, as you said, it's not just who you're going to vote for. Are you Catholic or not? But you actually ask a lot of uh, more detailed questions about how these Catholics line up with Catholic doctrine. How much do they agree with what the church says about issues of marriage and, and, and sexuality and abortion? And then you're able to say how those different Catholic groups will fall out on, on the vote. Now, before getting to what you come up with uh, leading up into 2020, let, let's, let's go back a little bit. You know, in 2016, I actually heard the first reports were that Donald Trump slightly won the Catholic vote. But I, 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 in researching this for today's show, I noticed that follow-up studies found, no, actually Hillary Clinton slightly won the, the Catholic vote. What was going on there? Well, there were uh, some important surveys done heading into the election. Uh, and I think that the best way to describe it uh, is that it, it's it's both right and wrong in the sense that uh, I think that the most fair way to say is that the Catholic vote effectively was split uh, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump in, in much the same way that the, the wider vote was split uh, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Now, having said that, um, we can talk a lot about the historical Catholic vote because I think that's not just interesting for me as somebody who studies history, but I think it it tells us a lot about where Catholics have been historically and, and where they are right now. But uh, how Catholics voted proved very critical in the 2016 election because the Catholic vote, so-called, and there's a serious question among experts as to whether such a thing even exists, and, and that's one of the fascinating questions that we can dig into, uh, that Catholics proved decisive uh, in Donald Trump winning in a number of swing districts uh, in places like Pennsylvania, in Ohio, even Wisconsin. And he was able to carry states, uh, that so-called blue wall, especially in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, uh, that no one saw coming. And he did that largely, significantly, because of that swing Catholic, moderate, blue-collar, devout Catholic vote uh, that he really needs to duplicate uh, in 2020 if he's going to do this again. In those states, Donald Trump certainly won the Catholic vote overall. Even if we take, you know, the lumping all the Catholics in, is a, he, he, he won that in those states— he picked up good Catholic support. Yes, he did. Uh, and that, uh, even if it's sort of narrow in key districts, and this is where the, the, the questions that we are getting to, uh, I think, are so significant and why we have to be very granular, why we have to drill down into the Catholic vote, is that the, the Catholic vote per se uh, was split. But Donald Trump picked up key support among what we find are devout Catholics, uh, those Catholics who accept all the teachings of the Church, uh, and those Catholics uh, who were motivated for different reasons uh, to give him their support in key districts in places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and, and elsewhere. Uh, and that, I think, as we're seeing, uh, was very important in him carrying the states that he needed to win elections. So how we tease out what we mean by the Catholic vote, I think, is important. To, titles and, and terms are, are important here. So we need to understand what we mean by a uh, prospective Catholic vote, because the, the notion of a broad Catholic vote uh, is historically difficult to, to quantify, uh, especially because Catholics tend to vote pretty much like every other American. 
And the majority of Catholics have voted for the winner of the popular vote in every presidential election this century. And again, I mentioned the, the difficulty of identifying the Catholic vote is, does someone who was raised as a Catholic and more or less says, if you ask, yeah, I'm a Catholic, but that person never goes to church, doesn't go to, to commun- take communion or, or hasn't been to confession in 20 years, is that person a Catholic? Well, that's uh, going to be one of the, the, that was one of the key survey points that uh, we knew uh, heading into this series of surveys. So, so what we needed to do was to find out where Catholics are relative to a couple of things. The first is, do you openly say, because you're self-identifying as a Catholic, that you accept all the teachings of the Church? Do you accept some or most of the teachings of the Church? Are there teachings of the Church that only barely influence your life? Or are you somebody who really considers that the Church has virtually no influence in your life at all, and yet you still self-identify as a Catholic? Surveys, which we've seen historically of sort of self-identified Catholics, put all of that together. So that uh, is one of the reasons why we have seen so many surveys prove generally unreliable. I'm not naming names in any way, but a lot of surveys that simply survey, quote, Catholics, tend to end up with a very interesting but uh, peculiar results. So for us, it was important to break out each of those groups. And what we found, and this is uh, one of the key takeaways for our second poll, uh, was that if you accept all the teachings of the Church, that's about 18% of the total Catholic population, about a fifth of all Catholics. Now, how do we sort of quantify that further? Well, we know that uh, you go to Mass on a much more regular basis, about 72% go to Mass at least once a week, if not more. 92% pray, they set aside time to pray. So this is a a very specific group that is quite different, not just from their average American, but even from their fellow Catholics, because their numbers are much higher across the board uh, for how they view the faith, but also how they live the faith, and then how they utilize the teachings of the church in order to vote and discern their positions on the key, as I was saying, cultural and moral issues of the time. You can make the argument, uh, and I know that sociologists and political experts and analysts will be discussing this, that that in many ways is the Catholic vote in the sense that this is a group that isn't monolithic, and, and we can talk more about that, but this is a group that also vote 75% of the time compared to only 58% of the rest of the Catholic population. So if if overall 58% of Catholics vote all the time, this group, they vote 75% of the time. That means that they have an outsized influence in any election uh, compared to their fellow Catholics. I have here the results of the Catholic vote in 2000, 2004, 2008. It looks like in 2000, Gore got nearly 50% of the Catholic vote. Uh, George W. Bush got not quite 47%. So, so Gore, Gore won, won that by a few percentage points. Kerry and Bush in 2004, uh, we got a switch. Bush decisively won the Catholic vote. He got almost 52%. Kerry was not quite 47%. Then in 2008, Obama collected nearly 54% of the Catholic vote. McCain got only about 45%. So 
Obama got about a nine-point differential right there. That makes it very hard to predict what, <laughs> where, the, where the Catholic vote. Well, I mean, what, what is your reading on, on those three results? Well, as I was saying, that uh, if we look historically, uh, Catholics have tended to vote uh, exactly like their fellow Americans. So, that, so the question is, uh, at least on when you look at those overall numbers of people who self-identify as Catholic, uh, Catholics tend to vote like every other American. Uh, and again, they voted for the winner of the popular vote, and that's important, popular versus electoral college, in every election this century. Now, um, to say that uh, Catholics have uh, supported in massive numbers one candidate, you'd have to go all the way back to John F. Kennedy, uh, who unsurprisingly uh, picked up, I think, 80 to 90 percent of the Catholic vote. And, and I know the question at the time was, you know, what Catholics did not vote for John F. Kennedy in 1960? Uh, but then we see the numbers settle down again. And if you go even farther back uh, to someone like Al Smith, uh, who was the Democrat nominee in the era leading up to Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the late 1920s, uh, you're still seeing he carried the Catholic vote, but I mean, he, there was such overwhelming anti-Catholicism in the country. Uh, and there were a lot of issues stacked against Al Smith, but uh, those would be two real outliers. But for the most part, uh, absolutely, the, the Catholics voted for the winner of the popular vote. So that's not surprising. A lot of people don't realize that, that you know, in the 1920s, one of the main motivations of the Ku Klux Klan was anti-Catholicism. They hated Alfred Smith, Al, Al, Al Smith. And, and, and the Klan had, you know, it's estimated, you know, four or five million members at, at that time. Well, absolutely. And if you look in, in uh, early in the 20th century, uh, a, a newspaper like The Menace, uh, which was toxically anti-Catholic, uh, you're talking about one and a half million readers. Uh, and this was a, a pretty dark time. And, and the, the candidacy of Al Smith really opened up uh, the, the box of rabid anti-Catholic fervor uh, across the country. And so that contributed certainly to his defeat. Uh, he was running in the, the teeth of uh, trying to run against a, a good economy. You had issues with prohibition. So there were a lot of things that uh, were against him. But one of the most important was being Catholic. That's now essentially something of a non-issue. It, it, it is. And has anyone brought up Joe Biden and Catholicism at all? Well, certainly on the, the side of the National Catholic Register, we've uh, uh, examined Joe Biden's longstanding record of publicly and in voting dissenting against the teachings of the church. But you're absolutely right. This is a, this is a, a major question that uh, Catholics, I think, will start to ask. And this goes back to that, the, the second poll that we've done where Donald Trump uh, has a general approval rating among all Catholics of about 47% and loses in head-to-head matchups against uh, almost all of his Democratic rivals, in particular Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Now, he's actually in a stronger position than he was in November uh, when we did the poll, our first poll. But that's a reflection, too, of uh, that as election seasons go, there is always a narrowing because of the narrow divide of uh, the the political life in the country. But uh, I think the expectation is that Donald Trump will 
struggle probably to cover or carry the whole of the Catholic vote. It would not surprise me if we're looking at a, a split again of the Catholic vote, much as we saw in 2016, partly because uh, we have that divide in the country, we have that divide among Catholics, but also he lifted his numbers are held up by that devout Catholic group cohort of 18%. He has a 63% job approval among them. So when you go back to some of these other campaigns, one of the things that you consistently see uh, is that uh, the vote for certain candidates varies a little bit on where Catholics stand on the teachings of the church. Uh, efforts have been made to sort of cast this as purely, are these white conservative Catholics? Um, uh, where do they stand politically? But the other thing that we're seeing with this 18% cohort in this poll is that this is, one would assume that this is a group that is old, white, and male. And yet what we found, and this could have some significance uh, on the 2020 election, is that this is a much younger group than one would think. Uh, we're talking about uh, a percentage, about a, a 45% or so under the age of 45. You have a large number of that is under the age of 35. It's 52% women uh, and 41% Latino. So that's what I mean by if there is going to be a real Catholic vote that turns out that proves decisive in this, and this is probably true historically as well, uh, it will be that group of Catholics who accept the teachings of the Church. Do you think that, that, that we'll come back to that, but I, I just had a quick question about the recent slight rise in Trump's approval ratings with Catholics. Do you think that his address to the March for Life had, had something to do with that back uh, a few months ago? Uh, I think uh, there you have to look at which cohort we're talking about and where you would find support for those Catholics who consider themselves to be devout, uh, as I was saying, who um, go to Mass on a much more regular basis, as they have rosaries, 62% or so every week. Uh, his numbers are already very high, but they have increased slightly, in part because of things like uh, the, the presence of the March for Life. Uh, they view him in a high majority as ardently pro-life. Uh, they also support in high numbers as well what they see as his defense of religious liberty. These are key issues for devout Catholics. Uh, for other Catholics, uh, he picked up slightly across the board in job approval, and this is for Catholics and non-Catholics, uh, in the wake of the impeachment uh, trial, with the, his impeachment and then the trial in the Senate, uh, that many clearly saw as political. Uh, and the other thing that is really holding him up uh, among Catholics uh, is that the majorities, significant majorities across the board among all Catholics, consider that the country is doing better off financially than it was four years ago. And individual Catholics say that they are doing better off than they were four years ago. So when we did in our first poll, what are some of the key issues for you as you head into an election year? It's, it's not a big surprise uh, that the economy was the number one response. So Trump is being held. His numbers are much higher than one would expect among Catholics. 
in part because of the economy, but again, because of that very specific cohort of about one-fifth of all Catholics. Can we say that Trump's immigration restriction policies haven't seemed to harm him then with at least Catholic Hispanics? Well, he has very poor numbers uh, among Latinos overall. Uh, And as you know, about 60-some percent of Latinos generally, uh, Latino Catholics, uh, consider themselves to be Democrats. So that's historical, and uh, that I don't think will be changing anytime significantly soon. Having said that, uh, that 41% of Latinos who make up that uh, cohort of devout Catholics, uh, that seems to be a bit of a a, a well for him. Uh, There's a font here for him uh, among Latinos. Uh, And Trump, as we saw in 2016, did a little better among Latinos than one would have expected. He he improved over, overall, he did better than Mitt Romney, correct? Yes, he did, Uh, which came as uh, a surprise, not to mention, uh, I think uh, it was a source of uh, horror to uh, Democratic pollsters. Uh, But Trump has certainly made aggressive outreach. Uh, he's doing the same thing in 2020, not just to Catholics, but also to African-Americans. And for him, it always comes down to narrow numbers. If he can even pick off a few percentage points of Latinos, in particular Latino Catholics, uh, and the same with African-Americans, it increases significantly uh, his broad-based appeal in some of those key battleground states. And that, that's something we're going to be looking at very closely in the, in the coming polls. One of the things that you say in the in the press release, the, the analysis of the poll, you say that one of the most important predictors of a Catholic's vote is the degree to which he or she accepts church teachings. So that's a solid correlation. The more people accept church teachings, the more, I presume, the more they vote Republican. Uh, well, I think uh, we always have to be careful about assuming that uh, all Catholics uh, who are devout Catholics are going to be supporting uh, Donald Trump. So that, that's something that we can't actually say. I think the best way to put it is that they are much more likely, uh, those who accept the teachings or all of the teachings of the church on key issues, such as abortion and euthanasia, uh, are more likely uh, to look at issues uh, where there is resonance for a Republican candidate. So that, that I think we can say safely. Uh, what we also have to note, however, is that uh, Catholics on areas like the death penalty and many of the cultural issues uh, side more or less across the board uh, with what the, the position of, of certainly many of the Democrats. Now, it is a source of um, surprise uh, and disappointment to a lot of observers that among all Catholic voters, 72% accept the teachings of the church on intrinsic evil. And yet only 47% of all Catholics uh, consider abortion to be an intrinsic evil. So that uh, tells you something about the, the failure of, of the church to articulate very clearly uh, what the teachings are and how you go about applying them. Are, are those Catholics just, just, I mean, speculate for a moment, uh, Matthew, you, you say things in, in here such as the poll found that Catholics are split 
when it comes to many of the most urgent social issues, such as whether Christian owners of wedding-related businesses should have the right to not provide services for a same-sex wedding, or that the Catholic Church should not be required to allow individuals who do not follow the teachings of the Church to work in parochial schools. Is that, is that a failure of, of the Church to be clear to the, the laity that this is what Catholic teaching really is on these issues? Or do you find that the people in the pews, they just reject that part of the teaching? Well, I think uh, it's, it's a combination of several things. I think uh, it is a failure in, in many ways, and this goes back to a couple of generations, and I'm not in any way blaming the Second Vatican Council, which I know is a popular thing to do, uh, for the failures of catechesis and formation. Uh, but we have unquestionably, I think, had at least two generations, perhaps even three, uh, very poor catechesis, very poor formation, uh, across the board for young Catholics who are trying to grow up in the faith or for uh, the Church to help Catholics to understand what the teachings of the Church are. If you combine that uh, with uh, the problems that we have in trying to be heard in wider culture in the face of the kind of media onslaught that exists and the, the massive cultural changes that have taken place certainly since 1968, uh, and when you consider where we have moved just in the last five years or so in the face of Obergefell, uh, it gives you an idea of the immense challenge that faces uh, the, the bishops uh, who are charged with overseeing the, the teachings of the church and, and safeguarding them, uh, how hard it is to counteract that. Matthew, here's one thing that you found that I, 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 <laughs> I found it stupefying that well, I'm going to say two things. A majority of all Catholics, 55%, believe that facilities of, of locker rooms, bathrooms, changing rooms should be based on biological sex at birth, not gender identity. But 30%, nearly one-third of Catholics believe that your, your, your gender identification, your gender identity, allows you to go to whatever, way, whatever facility that you want. One-third? Wow. That's right. That's right. And, and the numbers, uh, when we go back to that, uh, that 18 percent group the, of the so-called devout Catholics or active Catholics, that number of 55 really doesn't change that much. So you're still talking about it's a majority, but not a significant majority among uh, devout Catholics on that very issue. And that's now you can discuss. Uh, I know that um, Carl Cannon at Real Clear Politics is some really interesting things to uh, has written extensively about this, but are issues like this, are issues like uh, abortion viewed by a majority of Catholics as questions of public policy uh, versus necessarily what they may be thinking themselves? That's worth studying. But you're absolutely right. Uh, across the board with things like um, should, uh, based on religious beliefs, Christian owners of wedding-related businesses should have the right not provide services for a same-sex wedding, it's only 45% among Catholics. So this represents, I think, and this goes back to one of the very first things in our conversation today. This is a diagnostic tool. Or I, I will refrain from using a phrase like the canary in the coal mine or something like that. But really, this is a diagnostic tool for understanding levels of, of where Catholics are 
uh, in not just their awareness of the teachings of the Church, but actually how they're applying them and living them. So that goes back to that number of 72% on intrinsic evil. Yes, they accept intrinsic evil to the degree, I think, that they understand it, uh, but how many are then actually living it and applying it? And when you look at issues like abortion, euthanasia, and physician-assisted suicide, uh, clearly they're not. And we need to figure out, continue to understand why that's the case, and then to work with the bishops to find prescriptions for it on uh, how we solve this, if we can. Let me get another finding that I, I found remarkable. A majority of all Catholics, 49%, also believes that current programming from the entertainment industry is mostly unhealthy for our culture. So 51% believe, well, I, I guess 35%, 35% believe that current programming is it's okay. It's, it's okay. And, and another, what, 15 or 16% believe neither one way or the other. But how, how can you be a parent and simply turn on the cable and just start flipping through the channels and believe that most programming is in a healthy condition for our culture and for our children? How can you possibly believe this, especially as a Catholic? Well, I think it depends on how active you are in your faith. Uh, if if you are a Catholic and, and you consider yourself a Catholic, but uh, and I'm not in any way judging people, but you don't go to Mass, you never go to confession, if, if ever, uh, you don't pray uh, on a regular basis, uh, and you are dissenting from the teachings of the Church on a, a host of core issues, starting with things like contraception, on same-sex marriage, uh, it's little wonder that you would not consider the programming coming out of Hollywood to be unhealthy, in part because you probably stopped noticing it a long time ago, uh, or you're so used to it, or uh, your kids uh, are not being taught about what it is that you're seeing, or how to develop discernment uh, in their, their choices for entertainment, reading, and, and how they're living their lives. You're, you're essentially a, allowing the state uh, and culture to do that for you. And I go back again to that, that comment about uh, several generations of Catholics who really don't understand the faith. Uh, and you know as well as I do that the more you study and understand the faith, the more there is to learn, but the more you realize that everything truly is interconnected. So when you're pulling at threads and you have only a small portion of what you think is Catholic teaching, and you just don't have the interest or you were never raised with the curiosity to pursue that, that, that sort of beautiful symphonic quality of Catholic teaching, this is how you end up with these sorts of resultant polls. That's right. And even among those in our first poll uh, who accepted all or most of the teachings of the church, which is how we, at that, for that first poll, that's how we uh, broke out the cohorts or the, the, these groups, only 66%. So in this poll, too, we found that even among devout Catholics or active Catholics, uh, the numbers of those who accepted that uh, abortion, euthanasia, and a fifth uh, physician-assisted suicide are intrinsic evil, those are in the 70s. Now, it's similar then to this idea that only 66% of them accepted the real presence of the Eucharist uh, and only 70% accepted abortion is intrinsically evil. 
those are astonishing and depressing numbers uh, because it represents that even among those who profess to be active, devout in their faith, they are still, a third of them are dissenting for different reasons uh, from core fundamental teachings of Catholicism. Last question, and, and this this very careful, very careful in answering this method, because based on your answer, I'm going to Las Vegas and I'm going to lay down a bet on the election. I'm, I'm going to use my son's college money and hope I can double it. But uh, what will the Catholic vote be in, in, in this coming November? Let's have this conversation in October. Um, I say that because not because I, I well, I, I want to try to save your college fund for your children. Uh, but also, this is going to be, I predict, a very wild election year. We have already seen it. Uh, I think there's a lot in flux. I will say this, that 54% of all Catholics in this second poll are open to voting for Donald Trump. That positions him pretty well uh, among Catholics, considering that even as he's being held up by those numbers again of devout Catholics, uh, he has a lot of room to work with. So the other question is going to be uh, how Joe Biden does in connecting with Catholic voters. Uh, when he got in trouble politically in this primary season, he went back to that, uh, what he certainly considers politically safe territory of stressing his Catholicism. So he may be doing that again. Uh, but how he differentiated uh, from Donald Trump among Catholic voters, what his track record is with Catholic voters on key issues like abortion and euthanasia and same-sex marriage, uh, those could be decisive elements. So I will say, if you're open to it, let's talk in October. Thank you, Dr. Bunsen. Great to be with you. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.